You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And joining us now here on Locked On Buckeyes, it is Luke Robinson from Locked On Bama. Luke, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Getting ready for this big game. Oh, yeah, me too, man. Me too. Uh, Luke, let's start here. I ask everyone about the same question, so um, I want to see what your thoughts are with this one. If you were to describe the Alabama football team as someone that knows nothing about the team at all, granted, they've played 12 games this year, but there are going to be a lot of eyeballs watching the football team that know nothing about them this year. How would you describe their play on the field? Just dangerous. Uh, this is the best offense I've ever seen Alabama have, even more so than when I think they had Tua Tungvaluwa, who is widely considered to be the best quarterback in Alabama history, and even maybe more so than when they had Ruggs, Judy, uh, and Devontae Smith and Waddle all on the same team. And I think the reason I say that is because Devontae Smith has kicked his game up to such an incredible level. It's one of the more dominating wide receiver years that anybody's ever had. Now, Jamar Chase had a great one last year. Don't get me wrong for LSU. He, he, it was brilliant. And he's going to make a lot of money in the NFL. But I think Devontae Smith was, is even better because he lost his Robin. You know, Batman lost his Robin. It wasn't even his Robin. It was like Batman and Superboy. I mean, Waddle, I thought, was the best player in the country before he got hurt. And then Devontae Smith kicked his game up to such an incredible level that he made himself the best player in the country. And I think he'll win the Heisman. And on top of that, you've got an offensive line that has been fantastic. They won the Joe Moore award and you've got a running back that should win the Doak Walker award in Najee Harris, who is playing completely lights out and and much better than he was playing last year. Um, And and you've got a quarterback who just plays within himself. Look, Mac Jones is going to end up probably being a first or second round NFL quarterback, but he's not Justin Fields in terms of talent. That's just, that's a no brainer. He's not Trevor Lawrence. Um, He's probably not even uh, Zach Wilson, the kid from BYU. He's, he's just, he's just good at what he does. And he's been so patient waiting, biding his time and he plays within himself. And that's such a cliche thing for people to say, but Mac Jones rarely does anything outside of his he cannot do and I think that's what makes him so dangerous dangerous is a great word to describe this team when I watch them play no matter if it's the SEC championship or earlier throughout the year all throughout this season they have been dangerous and when Jalen Waddle went down you mentioned it very very well Devontae Smith raised up his level of play and raised up how good he is he his play will be to the tune of I looked at the stats earlier today 105 receptions over 1,600 receiving yards. Those aren't just like pedestrian. Those just aren't just a guy that's just, oh, I'm just okay, or I'm I'm the number two receiver. He did up his level. And against the secondary in the Buckeyes that has shown some holes, there's a good chance, Luke, that Devontae Smith and Max Jones could have big days if the secondary of the Buckeyes doesn't find a way to slow those guys down. I think that's very true. And Waddle, of course, is, is starting practice again, allegedly. And um, so maybe he gets on the field. I don't know. But John Mitchie is, is certainly not chopped liver. He's a very good wide receiver. In fact, most years uh, pre Saban coming around to uh, getting into the 21st century when it comes to offense years, I think John Mitchie would have been 
considered one of the one of the Alabama great wide receivers with his talent. But considering he's following in the footsteps of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper and on down the line, and of course, uh, the Judy and Ruggs and, and now Devontae Smith and Waddle, uh, he seems like a step down. And I'm not sure how much of a step down he is. I think it's just about experience. But um, yeah, the, the receivers ha- have been incredible this year. It's certainly been a lot of fun. And when you come to Devontae Smith, the one thing you've got to factor in here is it's it's not that he got to feast on um, the Georgia Southerns, no offense to Georgia Southern, or uh, Louisiana Tech. Again, no offense to Louisiana Tech. He played an all-SEC schedule. And on top of that, Alabama played the everybody but the two worst teams in the league. The two ter- worst teams in the league this year, in my opinion, were South Carolina and Vandy. Alabama didn't play them. They played everybody else in the SEC. And that's pretty doggone remarkable. I mean, when you look at somebody like uh, Ole Miss, you think, well, you know, that's probably an easy win. Alabama won by 15. Let me tell you something, man. Nobody wants to play that team. Nobody wants to play Lane Kiffin. I mean, you don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, he can lose to Arkansas, but he can also put up a a 50-burger on you. I mean, he beat Northwestern, a team you guys are familiar with. And and bowl games is always tough to – equate bowl games to how they would have done in the regular season or how a team would do in a particular conference. Nonetheless, that Ole Miss team is, is pretty strong. Mississippi State, uh, that's, you know, you saw what you did. they did to LSU first game of the year. I mean, they're sort of wild and woolly too. The SEC was just nuts this year. I mean, Missouri was better than people thought. And um, so Alabama had to navigate their whole way through that. And all the while, everybody knew, okay, they're going to throw to Devontae Smith and all we have to do is double team him. Right. And everybody tried that and it never worked because he's been that good. He has been that good. You speak, we, we can talk all day about Najee here no, excuse me, Max Jones or Devonte Smith, or even John Necci. The next person I was going to talk about just very quickly, Najee Harris, because you look at the, the, the bowl game against Notre Dame, the hurdle he had there or all, all the different st- ways that he could kill you. But he does it over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter who Alabama plays, Luke. Najee Harris is at the top of his game, and he's truly, I say, might be the hardest person to stop on the Alabama offense, which is saying a lot because they have weapons everywhere. Yeah, Harris has been rather unappreciated. Um, Everybody talks about Devontae Smith's coming out party against Georgia in the national championship game a few years ago where he caught the very famous catch from Tua uh, and and a legend was born really more so in in the vein of Tua than it was Devontae. It's only now that we appreciate the Devontae part of it more. Um, But one other thing that came out of that game was Najee Harris had an incredible fourth quarter. He had a couple of big runs that helped Alabama. At the time, Damian Harris was the uh, bell cow back. And it was, but it was Najee Harris who actually uh, put Alabama on his back and, and helped get some really crucial yards late in that game and set Alabama up for a win. And of course, you remember Alabama doinked the field goal, but they went in overtime. Uh, Najee Harris, his, his, his hurdling ability is becoming something otherworldly in a sense i mean i I've, I've never seen guys hurdle people so routinely yeah he he's looking to do it now he claims it's not something he practiced it's just so instinctual for him but um it's just wild to see it happen because the the timing that's involved not when to get stiff i mean notre dame i know they get uh 
nationally lampooned because they, they get into the playoffs and then they get buried by Alabama or Clemson or whoever they play. Um, and they would have been buried by Ohio State. But, you know, they're not bad. It's just that Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson are really on a different level than most everybody else right now. And, and Harris made them look kind of silly. I mean, at 100 yards at the half. He did. What about this defense? I mean, you, people know about names like Dylan Moses or Patrick Sertan II. But who else on this defense, you can even talk about those players, make this defense who they are? Well, Dylan Moses, you know, is funny. I think uh, a lot of Alabama fans certainly love Dylan Moses, and his story is pretty incredible. He was committed to LSU, I think, in eighth grade, um, if you remember. And when he was in eighth grade, he looked like a guy who, who had already been fired from one job and was starting a second <laughs> career. I mean, yeah. he looked like a 32-year-old man. I mean, maybe that's why he wears number 32. I don't know. But uh, he's always been built like that. He's just a, a, a freak of an athlete. Um but he's had a hard time in some instances coming back from this knee surgery that he had last year. And I'm a little worried about him on Ohio State's tight ends, but that's something we can talk about later. Uh, but when it comes to the real leaders of the defense, I think it's Patrick Sertan, who was Defensive Player of the Year in the SEC. Um, I, I think he's one of the best defensive backs in, in the Nick Saban era, and that's saying a lot. I tell you, a lot of Alabama fans are more excited uh, about some of the freshmen. One okay. who has played a lot, one who hadn't played much. Um, I should throw Malachi Moore in there, too, and Brian Branch, other two freshmen. But I think the one everybody loves to see when he comes in the game is Tim Smith, the, the defensive lineman. He's so disruptive. He's strong. When he gets his hands on you, I mean, it's over. He, he's just a really good player. But Will Anderson has been a lot of fun to watch. He led the SEC in sacks, at least he did, until this last week when Christian Barmore uh, ended up, I think he has nine, and, and Will Anderson is still at seven. Um, but he had the most pressures of any freshman in the country, and it was by more than double, I think, if, if memory serves. I think he had 52 quarterback pressures. He's quick as a hiccup, and um, he, he just loves to get back to the quarterback. And so Alabama is certainly going to need him this week. That is true. Josh Job, I've looked at him and I've just I look at the look at numbers and look at look, go look at the film. Patrick Sertan gets all gets all the attention, but you can't look past Josh Job and say, oh, the other corner out there are just kind of somebody we could walk over and we could pick on him a little bit. I don't think that's gonna be the case. No, Josh Job's a very good player. He's certainly come into his own. Um, I, I, I think he has solidified that number two cornerback spot. And, and most years, he would be a number one cornerback. It's just Sertan is, is a, again, a different level kid. And uh, Job could easily come out uh, in the draft this year. And I think he would be no worse than a second or third round pick. Um, I'm hoping he stays. But uh, I understand how it goes with these kids a lot of time. And when you are Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson, you know, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, when you recruit at these levels, you're going to lose guys who are juniors who, who might be on the fence. And a lot of times they know that NFL teams are going to say, hey, yeah, he might miss this or we, we hadn't seen enough of him on tape or he might make this mistake. But you know what? He's been at Alabama or in Columbus this whole time. And he's learned how to play from good staffs and he knows how to win. And he's been in intense situations. And Job has certainly, uh, he, he's had his feet to the fire. Look, when you're a defensive back in Nick Saban's defense, you're going to be in a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations. And there've been a few times Job's been burned and made some mistakes, but uh, this year, I mean, he's been all conference material. He has been. Well, let's flip the roles a little bit. I know we talked a lot about Alabama. Luke, what kind of questions do you have for me about Ohio State and their play and their team this year? I, I want to know about C.J. Stroud <laughs> because uh, Justin Fields, you know, he got banged up. And I, it's, I don't mean this in a funny or disrespectful way, but 
man, that hit he took, um, I, I immediately said to people that were with me, that hit would have literally killed me. All of my organs just would have just flown out of my body. Um, he, it was, uh, uh, wow, what a testament to his toughness to be able to come back in that game because the, the look on his face looked like a dude who had broken ribs. I've had a couple of family members with broken ribs, and you can only make that face when you have a rib injury. Like any other injury, you don't make that face. The ribs are, you don't realize how much you need those things, man. <laughs> so no. is CJ is Stroud ready to come in and play if, if so needed? That's the question that not even to myself, I can't answer that. And I don't know if anybody else can. Uh, last I heard is Justin Fields will play in the game as, as of right now. This is on Monday we're recording this. So there's a, about a week before between now, the day of recording and the time of kickoff. As of right now, i got Justin Fields playing. Now, C.J. Stroud, if he comes in, the offense will probably look completely different because you can't do all of the wrinkles and have all the very variations and formations with Stroud as you can with Fields. Also, you're comfortable with Fields in these big moments. Stroud, kind of like Tua, uh, what, a couple years ago in the National, national Championship, you kind of knew a little bit, but you didn't know you were going to get that in that kind of a game. So C.J. Stroud, I don't know. I'm not really – putting much stock in him playing because I do have a belief that whatever, whatever they have to do to get Fields ready to play, he's going to play. Man, that, that hit there when I, when I saw it, I'm, I cringed. I'm, I, I'm, I literally cringed. I was like, Oh, he's, he's out the game. Like game's over. Like when the Buckeyes are not going to win. And then, he, and then one play out. And then all of a sudden I hear Fields is going back into the, into the game. I'm thinking how, how do you come back in one play out, out, and then you go back into the game, and then he threw that touchdown pass to Olave. The the ball wasn't the prettiest, but it did, but it was a touchdown. And then I know there was a one one uh, picture I have I have in my head when he tried to get on that bicycle and he the workout yeah. bike, and he's like, man, just cringing. I'm like, dude, I love hero I love heroic play. And I didn't think he would go back in after that, but he kept playing. He kept fighting. Whatever they did to get him ready, they did something. Because second half, his, his look, when it, the way he felt, the way he was moving, was not the way he he looked and he felt after that hit. After that hit there, but man, I'm baking on Fields. If Stroud's in there, it's kind of I kind of had the feeling I had when um, Cardo Jones took over in the Big Ten Championship game. Kind of like I don't know what's going to happen. I had no idea. Um, he can play. We know he can play. We know he's at Ohio State for a reason. But you just don't know. Your beliefs in fields, not Stroud or Miller or anybody else that's in a quarterback room. Uh, what about Trey Sermon? Okay, this is a guy that was at Oklahoma, and he, he was pretty good at Oklahoma. I mean, don't get me wrong. I thought he was kind of weird that he transferred. There may be some backstory there I'm not familiar with or whatever. But um, he, he was sort of a – he was a – a nice player for Ohio State, and granted, we haven't seen Ohio State play that much this year because uh, they just hadn't had the number of games. But these last couple of games have been ridiculous, and, and do you think that's something he can keep up? I do, and I think part of it is now part of the reason he got all the carries again, he got a lot of carries in a Big Ten championship, but part of the reason he got all, a lot of more carries against Clemson was Master Teague, the other running back, was out, and he was on the unavailability list, so he wasn't able to play. So now if he's able to play in the national championship, you're wondering how do the carries balance out? But this is, this is something that we saw last year in the Big Ten championship and in the, the other game, the, the Fiesta Bowl. When, mm-hmm. when something had to happen, when Master Teague, when the game got bigger, Master Teague's production and the amount of carries he got, they got less. 
and J.K. Dobbins last year, Trey Sermon this year. I truly think Trey, Trey Sermon is way more comfortable in the offense than he was week one, week two, week three, simply, simply based off the reps. Now, this, this, this would truly be midseason and a regular year. And I think what we're seeing now is how Trey Sermon would look in this offense with this offensive line with the quarterback if it was a traditional year, game five, game six, and game number seven. Also, the O-line had issues early, early in the season. Interior of the O-line didn't play very well. And we're seeing them also now playing at a high level, almost midseason form for them. So it's almost like the Buckeyes running attack, which you saw early on, was them trying to get a new guy put into this into this team chemistry-wise. And now what we're seeing is the O-line, even with the starting left guard, Harry Miller out, Matt Jones coming in, filling that hole there, the rushing attack didn't change much. Yeah, going from 300-plus to 193, that's <laughs> – 100 yards difference there, but still, that's still a big gain there, which makes Fields feel a whole lot better there in the pocket moving this offense. All right, this is going to be a little bit off topic in a sense, and it's a bit of a loaded question. By the way, I've got three children that live in Columbus or right outside of Columbus in Lewis Center, and uh, so I've been to Columbus uh, okay. many, many, many times and nice. uh, love the place and, and love the fact that it's like a big city but it's still got a college town feel to it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm from Alabama. We don't have any pro teams. So I dig places that are big enough to have a good college feel, but not, uh, not a pro team because that right. sort of takes away. Um, but going back to this. Okay. I know it's been a hot debate. I know I'm asking a Buckeye guy. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Ohio state deserve to get in? I'm not saying, do you think they are one of the best teams? They are clearly one of the best teams. And if that's uh, the definition of what the committee's going by, then they certainly got it right. I can see both arguments, and I had trouble with it uh, initially because uh, said for, hey, look, uh, you can tell me that uh, the games Ohio State didn't play, they would have won anyway based on talent. But I would have said they would have beaten Purdue a couple years ago when they were blasted. I would have said they would have beaten Iowa a year or two ago when they were beat. You know, I would have said they would have beaten Michigan State the year, I think it was 2015, um, when Michigan State was, was they were fine. I think that team ended up going to the playoffs. Um, but, they did, uh, they did. The, the, you know, they, they, they had no business beating that Ohio State team with Ezekiel Elliott and, and folks like that. And so my point is that the, the thing about the, the lack of games – is bothersome in the sense that, hey, I know that in Vegas, Ohio State would have been at least a 20-point favorite over all of them, but you never know what would have happened uh, because Ohio State has had some trip-ups in the past. Do they deserve to be in the playoff? Based off the current criteria where – I, I, this isn't what I'll go off of, but basically if you're an undefeated conference champ, you basically have a shoe in unless all power fives are undefeated. Then there's a debate as far as who would get it from the PAC 12, big 12, SEC, ACC, big 10, but based off the current criteria and the committee put themselves in a bad spot because it didn't say there had to be a minimum number of games played knowing the PAC 12 was going to play less and the Big 2 was going to play less than the other three other schools. Now, I believe Big, Tw- Big 12 may have played 10. I think SEC played 11, or was it 10? I forget. No, we played 10, but we had to play the title game, too. That's right, that's right. I, I knew you guys are 12 and 0. So, based on the criteria that the committee has set, didn't have a min- minimum number of games, undefeated conference champ, it was almost a, an automatic thing when you're a Power 5 school that you're going to be there. Now, the Buckeyes... If they look like they did against Northwestern, against every school in the Big Ten, 
or like they did against Indiana, going up 35-7 and then letting Indiana come back, then I think there may be a different argument. But since the, the committee has undefeated conference champ, didn't put a criteria on the minimum number of games, I think it was kind of an automatic thing, almost an automatic bid in the NCAA tournament that the Buckeyes would get in. Now, I had one person say this very quickly. Someone that's a fan of Miami, just a, it's Miami Hurricanes, been a fan for a long time, fan of college football. They were not a fan of Ohio State being in simply because of the amount of games that they played. That was out of the Ohio State Buckeyes' control. Now, granted, you said a couple of them, they may have been able to play if they didn't cancel a game. What, whatever you want to say, you can say that. But they did what they did, and they're just going off of what the committee has put in there. I also looked at a couple of polls, and almost every poll except for one had the Buckeyes in the top three, uh, the top four. So it's kind of like, yeah. what are the polls looking at? Uh, I didn't look at the Sagarin ranking, rankings. That's one I really like to look at. But all the polls basically had them in the top four. The BCS, if you still go off of that old that old system, that had them in the, in the top four. The committee had them in the top in the top four. So it's almost like the buck they may have gotten like brand recognition a little bit because I think if Ohio State were let's just say they were Indiana, I don't think they would have been in. I don't. Just being completely honest with you, That's true. Um, because Indiana doesn't do to ratings or due to networks or due to fans like you and I, what Ohio State simply having that brand and that symbol right there, that means something more to the to college football fans than everybody else. So could be could be a little bit of that. Could be the committee knowing we want to make the most the, the most money we can and having Ohio State in there over Texas A&M means we're making more money. Whatever it is, but if you just go off the criteria, no minimum, no minimum number of games needed, uh, conference champion, undefeated, it kind of it kind of just worked itself out that the Buckeyes would be right there. No, no, and I agree with you. And I think initially, when you just take it on the face value, you say, "Hey, you only played six games. It's not really fair." And I get that point. But number one, you do have to factor in a pandemic. And number yeah. two, um, the the more I thought about it, when I initially was against it, and this is before Ohio State waxed Clemson, even um, the more I thought about it, I said, "Okay, well, who else are you going to put in there?" Am right. I going to put Cincinnati in there? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know off the top of my head how many games they played. I don't care if they played 10 games. Ohio, Cincinnati going undefeated against their schedule versus Ohio State's, it's it's apples and oranges. I mean, I'm, I'm an SEC guy. I always preach that our schedule is tougher by nature. I can't then, by definition, without being a hypocrite, say that Cincinnati played the equal schedule to Ohio State. They just didn't, and they just right. don't. Right. And um, I, I think that has to be factored in. If there were some other team, that had somehow proven themselves worthy. And you can't say Texas A&M because A&M did lose by 28 to Alabama. Yeah. If A&M had lost to Alabama by one point on last field goal, I think there would be some, some screaming and hollering. And you know what? Maybe A&M gets in over Ohio State or over Notre Dame, one of the two. Um, but it's not that's not the way it went down. And I think it went down in a way that was very fortuitous for Ohio State. But you're also right. They have the recognition and they have the history. And you know what? I'm a I'm a pro blue blood guy. When the final four comes on, I want Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke and UCLA in there. That's what I want to see. You know, that's what I, when the playoffs come around for college football, I want to see Ohio State, Bama, uh, Clemson uh, and, and Notre Dame, Oklahoma, somebody like that. That's what I want to see. And, you know, if, if if Indiana gets good, enough, if Indiana had beaten Ohio State and gone undefeated, guess what? They'd be in. So they had a shot. Um and I, and I think that uh, that's just the way to look at this. And I think that the Alabamas and the Ohio States and the Oklahomas have earned the right to get the benefit of the doubt over the long haul. Because let's let's also face it, 
Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, Georgia, they've done more for college football than Cincinnati and Indiana have. I don't mean that as an offense. I'm no. just saying the, the back of college football is built on the Blue Bloods, and everybody loves to cuss them. But you know what? It certainly makes things a lot easier. Let me tell you this. Everybody always talks about expansion of the playoffs. I love it at four. I'm, I'm resigned to the fact we're going to expand. And what's going to suck about that is we're going to have a Washington football team that yeah. gets in the playoffs at seven and nine in the NFL. Yeah. I don't want that in my sport. No, my no. sport's the last sport where the regular season has so much meaning. We, You can, I know, remember Ohio State regular season games going back you know, years, decades, I can. Um, but if you're in the NFL, do you think a Philadelphia Eagles fan remembers the uh, 2013 New York Giants game? Mm-mm, I mean, I, they just don't. It's a different, it's a different th- line of thinking, and that's what makes our sport beautiful. Um, and I, I love March Madness like everybody else, but I also think it's 68 teams is too many. I just, I, I know it's a sellout. So you we're, know, we're, you're one of the few people that's a, that's with me with that that thinks 68 is too many. I said that to someone recently, and they're like, 68. No, it's perfect. I said, why? You don't need 68 teams to figure out who the na- who, who the national champion is, who the best team in the college basketball is. That's way too many. It doesn't make any sense. It's all a money thing. I get money's right. a good thing. You want more, more, more money, but there's no reason to have 68 teams. You can you can cut that thing down to even a 32 and say, oh well, here's what you got. Figure it out, and you, go, you just go play the basketball. Man, if I see you in Miami, I'm buying you a beer. That's what I've been saying for years. <laughs> I'd go with 16. I don't need 68 no. teams no. for you to tell me North Carolina's better than Illinois State. Right. I don't need Thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, and, and, in fact, even if Illinois State were to beat them in a one-off, everybody goes, see, they deserved it. I'm like, no, they, that doesn't mean anything. That just means they got hot at one. North Carolina's the one that worked their tail off all year. And, and now they get another team with a losing record, and we see it just about every year, gets in and has a shot for a national championship. And I don't care how little that shot is, you're taking away a spot from some other team that probably worked hard all year and um, was in a much tougher conference. That's my whole argument about that. And that's why I don't like the whole idea of automatic qualifiers, just like I didn't want to see the Eagles or the Redskins or the, I guess, Washington football team or the Giants or the Cowboys get in the playoffs. Because you know what? We've had seven or 16 games to know they're not good enough. Right. Right. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Really quickly, Luke, this has been fun. A lot of fun. Um, You mentioned the expansion a little bit. I don't mind going up this road for about five minutes. We're already a little bit past time, but we're having too much fun. <laughs> I don't like expansion in college football at all. Um, and I've been uh, on this wavelength, on this path for a while. I personally prefer the old BCS uh, rate, computer, add a playoff to that. If you want to go for great. If you want to, I don't like to, I can't stand a committee because they they change things more than the computer did. And the computer True. literally changed things every single year. But when it comes to the expansion of college football, I've always been a person and it happened this year, no matter how crazy the year was, it happened this year. You play the games, everything will play itself out. At the end of the end of the day, undefeated Alabama, undefeated Ohio State, the two undefeated teams in Power 5 are playing itself out to see who's going to win the national championship a week from today on January 11th. Are you for or against the expansion? I, 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 I'm I cool with four. I really don't even care if we – if it was just the old system with two, I'm cool with that as well. What kind of system do you think would work right now for college football? I love four because I've been to several playoff games now. I've been to every Alabama national championship game since 92. 
So Saban has about ruined me financially. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've been to all the championship games and a few of the um, semifinal games. I, I love the playoffs uh, as they are. It's been a lot of fun. I like the BCS too. And I think the BCS uh, got some things right. But Saban predicted this, that the playoffs would water down uh, the other bowl systems. And the other it bowl did. systems are a part of college football's lore, tradition. And it has now. Here's the thing about, I hear people saying that we too many bowls. Well, let, let me say this about that. You know, all a bowl game is, is Albuquerque saying, hey, I want to see um, Wake Forest play University of Cal Berkeley. And we're just going to pay you a little bit of money to come out here and somebody's going to put it on TV. Nobody has to watch it. The NCAA isn't sanctioning this. It's not a it's not this big NCAA event that everybody forced to watch. No, it, it's just an event that that. Albuquerque wants to have for tourism that's all so I think we we lost sight of the bowls are just they're, they're just like a little bit of a reward I look at them like as an early spring practice any bowl that's not a semifinal you know or a national championship game um and yeah I, I hate it that some of the luster is taken off the bowls now it used to mean more when a conference went against a conference but you know what these kids learned hey I don't want to get my knee blown out in the cotton bowl that doesn't mean anything when I'm about to make millions of dollars generational money and so I understand that point too um but it's uh in terms of expansion my problem this year think about it Oregon would have been the eight seed I guess and Alabama the one seed do we really want to give Oregon another chance at this why do we keep what is this participation trophy thing that we've got going on I mean if I'm all for really I'm totally resigned to the fact it's going to expand so i try not to complain about it too much anymore because i, I know it's coming but i'm hoping they expand to like I, to six okay yeah. and i don't again i don't want any automatic qualifiers the only way i want automatic qualifiers is if you take away the big 10 championship the sec championship mm-hmm. because i don't want a florida team that's nine in three playing an Alabama team that's undefeated that, uh-oh, they got COVID or whatever the pandemic is du jour, and some of their players are out, and Florida wins and gets a chance to play for a national championship. I don't want that. I think there ought to be some some asterisks, some caveats to, hey, look, you you can go play it, you know, or we get rid of divisions or something like that, um, and, and don't have uh, SEC or any championship game, conference championship game. That way you can say, okay, this is the true champion. Cause that's always bothered me about college basketball. You know, the biggest money grab in sports to me is the uh, conference basketball tournaments. Easily, I, I know easily. They're, they're fun and they're dramatic and all that stuff, but you know what, why do we need to give teams that aren't good another shot to go play for something even bigger? I, I, we just had a whole regular season to determine this guys. And um, that's where I think college football is just so special. So I'm hoping it stays at four. Uh, it, I know it won't, so I'm hoping it goes to six, but I have I have a feeling it's going to go to eight, and then you know what? Somebody's going to complain, just like they complained when it was 64, and we got to have four more teams, and they'll complain again, and we'll have to go to 70-something. I don't even know the math. And, and you know, then we'll just – why don't we just invite everybody and not even have a regular season tournament? You know, yeah. not regular season, you know? Just yeah. have one giant tournament to start it all off with. Yeah, man, I'm there with you, man. The expansion college basketball never makes sense to me. This doesn't make sense to me either. Things always play themselves out, and it did this year, as crazy as it was, two undefeated teams playing January 11th for the national championship. Luke Robinson, thanks so much for coming on here on Locked on Buckeyes, and I'm sure the Bama fans may enjoy or dislike some of the things that I said as well. If you could let people know where they can connect with you via social media and also listen to your podcast as well. 
Yeah, you can find us at Locked on Bama. Obviously, we're on Spotify and on iTunes. You can also uh, find us on Twitter at Locked on Bama. And I'm at LS Robinson 21. Why I chose that, I have no idea. But uh, that's just what I've had since the dawn of time. And it carried over to this podcast. And I'm really excited to be a part of the Locked on Network. And it's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to a great game. You going to get to go? I am not. No, I will not be able to go. Um, unfortunately, work is calling and I can't get away. Um, but you say you are going? Well, it's funny. Uh, I just took my, I have three kids in Ohio and then a four-year-old in, in Birmingham. And uh, I took my wife, our four-year-old and my other three children to Key West and then to Miami for Christmas, like this big surprise, spent a bunch of money, had a lot of fun. And then Alabama gets there and I'm like, you know, I probably did this about a week too early. And, <laughs> and then uh, my brother-in-law came across some tickets and we're going to go down there for a one-day junket and just be done with it. Nice, nice. Guys, you can always catch me on Twitter at jstevens07. For the Alabama fans listening, that is with the P-H-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S, the number zero and the number seven. Always listen to Locked on Buckeyes, same place as you can catch Locked on Bama as well. Stay tuned to both podcasts, Locked on Bama, Locked on Buckeyes, getting you ready from both sides to get you ready for this upcoming game on January 11th, where Alabama and Ohio State will play for the national championship.